Hello and welcome back to Southern Park Gallery's podcast, a place where we delve deeper into the practice of artists in our programme through conversations, interviews and readings. As those of you that have listened to previous episodes of Lockdown Elevenses, you will know that in this series we catch up with the brilliant artists in our upcoming programme and ask them a bunch of questions to find out how they are making work, keeping their heads during these weird woody times, and so you can find out a bit more about them. If you've enjoyed this series, we still encourage you to support not only future podcasts, but our programme of free exhibitions, events and learning activities. To find out ways that you can help, including one-off donations, please go to southwarkparkgalleries.org forward slash support. Now, for the last time in the series, prepare yourself some elevators, sit back and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Lockdown Elevenses. I'm your host, John Harris, and in today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Anne Ryan, born in Limerick, Ireland, and now lives and works in London. Anne is most known for her cutouts, vibrant three-dimensional paintings made from card, collage, canvas, ceramic, and metal. These constructed paintings focus on figures indulging themselves in various activities and scenarios that draw upon rich references from visual culture and art history. Anne studied at Limerick School of Art, Ireland, and completed her MA in Fine Art Painting at Birmingham University and a postgraduate in Computer Graphics at Coventry University. She was the recipient of the Abbey Fellowship in Painting at the British School in Rome in 2016 and has taught at numerous UK art schools. Her recent exhibitions include Earthly Delights at Hastings Contemporary this year, UI, UI, UI at Rubot Gallery, Milan in 2019 and the Cowboy Paintings at Terps Gallery, London in 2017, and is represented by Green Grassy Gallery, London. It's lovely to welcome you, Anne. Hello there, John. How's it going? Yeah, it's good. How are you doing? Good. I'm grand, thank you very much. I'm just sitting here this morning through lockdown. I've become obsessed by my birds, and I'm just sitting here watching some goldfinches coming to and fro. So it's very nice, yeah. That sounds absolutely lovely. Kind of to jump straight into the questions, it's been absolutely ages since I last saw you at your absolute banger of a show at Hastings Contemporary. But of course, I know lockdown is morphing into a new phase now and teaching has changed for you and other lecturers during this time. But have you been able to get to the studio and continue making? And if so, how have you found it and what are you working on currently? Well, I mean... Lockdown is one of those weird things I'm going to say, and I think everyone's realising now, it's been good for a little while, despite the kind of horror show around us. I think we all went kind of quiet and disappeared into our worlds. I mean, I live in a very small flat in the centre of London, but um, it is, it's surrounded by trees, which we're lucky in London, having so much nature. Yeah. And I think just the nature of the lockdown is we suddenly started looking to nature, hence my watching my goldfinches. <laughs> and, um, and which will probably start appearing in my cutouts now. And, and that's been really good. And I need to work always, whether it's writing down thoughts or drawing or cutting out or just painting. I need to kind of um, take ideas as going on around me and try to make sense of them through the work. I mean, my, my flat, as I say, is tiny. So and my husband is here with me as well. And we've got like one bedroom flat. So we were trying to organize little spaces we could work in. So if I'm standing by a certain point in the living room, he can come in there because that's the library at that <laughs> stage. <laughs> so we had all these little de- demarcations out where we no go areas. 
But I mean, then finally I thought, well, I've got to get to a studio because I will go crazy. And uh, my studio is about an hour and a half walk away. So it's in Kilburn. So from King Cross to Kil- Kilburn, I was traveling. But I love walking. And actually, there was something really great about walking across the city through lockdown. Empty. I mean, I'd go from King's Cross, let's say, to Kilburn, across Primrose Hill, Mornington Crescent, Camden High Street, and then uh, Finchley, and then Kilburn, which is like a real Irish uh, derive, you know. <laughs> it's like going back through history for an Irish woman. It was just like, and you'd stop, it used to take me ages, actually, besides the hour and a half it physically took. It would take ages because you'd stop and literally smell the flowers. You just really started looking at the whole torn, the roses in bloom, and just enjoying simple things, which was, and then, of course, because I'd stand on Primrose Hill for ages, I'd take a flask of coffee with me and just take, take in London, you know, a city I love. I've been here most of my life, in actual fact, and um, I love it. And you just remember, you start remembering the kind of good times and the sad times through lockdown. And so I haven't, I have actually enjoyed it for that. It's been a great thinking time. I think a lot of us have kind of gone back in time and memories, thinking about our lives here, how we spend our lives and our loved ones far and away. And also it's like you either get closer to the person or you kill the person you're living with, one or the other. <laughs> Luckily we got closer. <laughs> and he's an artist as well. So you can have these really good kind of conversations about things, not necessarily about art, but of course art is life, isn't it? Yeah. You're going through this extreme pain that is changing how you, you're looking at stuff, you know? You're going into your head all the time. You're being forced back into your head. And I think that, I think as artists, we're good with that. We can deal with it. But also you just miss that very social time. Also, you're a very social animal. You're, you're quite opposite things. So you need those conversations. I mean, I, I, love, I love people. I mean, I've always loved people. And um, I love talking with people, like seeing people. And, and I missed all those things. Um, especially the thing I really missed, and I know that Judas, the director, is very fond of this, is a gig. I love pubs. I love a gig, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm a real rocker at heart, you know. It's put me in the middle of it, in front of the OCs or something. And I think I'm going to be very good tonight. I'm just going to stand quietly and have a pint. And next time I'm rocking out. <laughs> <laughs> I embarrass everyone that knows me. <laughs> it's like it just moves through your body. And I think for me, music is one of those things. It is like art. It's something I can't, can't live without. And I know how important it is to the normal person, to every person, the common person in the street. Music is that very central thing. I think probably that's why I came to London. Well, I mean, obviously, being Irish in the 80s, you had no choice but to leave. But London was definitely high in my agenda because of just the fantastic music scene in England. I wanted to be part of that. I mean, now at lockdown time, it's, I think it's getting a little bit more difficult now. This is the really hard point. This is the point that's going to test us. Is like we're moving out. Things are slowly going back to normal. Everything seems really loud. I mean, as I said, I'm in the city centre, so suddenly the traffic is just crazy. I don't know, it's frightening at the moment. It's used to think also the jobs are changing. I mean, as artists, it's always such a strange time. How, how do we work? How do we earn money? We're always on the periphery of things. I mean, I've always been an associated lecturer with many colleges. I've got two main jobs that just keep me ticking along that I adore. I mean, I think I've grown over the years to absolutely adore teaching, especially my foundation teaching, which I get so much from it. You're teaching people just as they're starting that point 
looking at work, thinking about how they might make it's great. Yeah. How they're going to run it next year. They're working on it at the moment, but I think it's going to be very difficult. So I think we're, we're facing the possibility of um, less work, no work. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, we can't afford to think too much about it either. Christmas is going to be a very poor thing for the ordinary person. The carpetbaggers will come in, tear the place apart. And um, I don't know. I'm worried about just ordinary people just trying to make a living. And that's us artists, I think, right in there, isn't it? So um, artists always have hard, hard times. We're always up and down. Even as old as you get, you still have those, which is such a pity. It's also a good time to make, weirdly enough. Yeah, and I don't know how that is, and you don't want it to be the case. Maybe you just realize, I don't know, you start listening to yourself, you start going into yourself, listening to ideas, pulling out ideas, and just becoming very resourceful. That's one of the things I love teaching young people. It's like, um, I, I, I'm always amazed at how resourceful they are. They're just wonderful, you know, and, and true lockdown. I've been talking to students on Zoom. And um, generally, they have been just amazing. You kind of have to just, you, know, you think that you're going to be cheering them up. I mean, it can be very depressive, but, you know, that's part of them and their story, isn't it? That's part of them making sense of things. You know, even the idea of, like, before lockdown, the idea of, like, students, no studios existing now, are being very expensive. They found ways around it. They seem to find ways around it. You just have to look at them for where are they going to go with this? What are they going to do with it? And what we found often on the Zoom calls with students is um, the quieter students, you know, yeah. um, they've really come true. You know, they've actually, because they, they you can be their chairperson and put their questions forward. And it's really nice. Like I know, like you're sitting like with a load of students and um, someone is afraid to say something. They haven't got the voice to say it. And someone else is just very articulate and putting it forward and they can't talk. And suddenly they've got a voice. So there are good things in it. So we'll see what happens with that one because it'll definitely be something we're going to be using still. Yeah, so I mean, like lockdown, I mean, it has been fabulous, which is a weird thing to say with so many over 60,000 people dead. It's shocking, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely shocking. Yeah. So it's, it's something that's changed our lives forever. What's that going to be? I don't know. But um, I think as artists, we're all really looking and thinking about this. You know? How it will register is, has yet to be seen, but it's definitely going to resonate. I also think it's something like it's going to go on and uh, this is the beginning of something rather than the end of something. So, uh, however, that's, anyway, I mean, I've been reading loads of science fiction, of course, so <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all gone into looking at these weird worlds that suddenly come true. Um, yeah, just looking for a picture of what our future might be, I think, isn't it? You mentioned this sort of time period has given you basically more space to think and mm. allowed you to sort of do these big, long walks and contemplate with a flask of coffee, but has kind of it enabled you to do things that you've been meaning to do for a long time? Well, it has done. It's given you that space. Like if you walked into my studio now, you think, what the hell? You know, <laughs> I think we, <laughs> we're all suddenly being insulated because even though you have projects coming up, which is great, it's like you kind of haven't for the moment. There's, this, you, there's a bubble there that you think, well, rather than working straight towards this, 
I can literally go into the studio, which I'm really good at doing this, is throwing everything upside down and inside out. <laughs> I never quite work towards something. It'll be in the back of my head. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it'll be something important, but I never work towards it. I have to kind of like meander through ideas and objects and things. And that's what I'm doing now. I mean, if you, you come into the studio, I was thinking to myself, because the cutouts have been so kind of popular and I love making them. So I think, how do I get them back on the wall? There's that same intensity. And so I'm, now I'm kind of cutting, cutting out canvases and putting them on the wall and objects and mixing the ceramics and making molds. And yeah, my, my, my studio is like, um, I don't know, like a city farm or something at the moment. There's loads of little animals wandering around that look dejected and uh, not quite having a home and appearing on the wall. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's a bit of a playtime at the moment. You know, to begin with, I think we all struggled with that thing. How do I work now? Because I think we said, I, I found myself a couple of times on top of Primrose Hill or, you know, on my balcony with my mouth open. I think, God, I think I've been here for 10 minutes, just staring with my mouth open. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then slowly as human beings, we just, we find a way back into it, you know, and there's a certain desolation. And I don't mean this in any horrible way, that is, is kind of attractive to us. There's a wasteland that, well, for me, I'm kind of really attracted to, you know. It's almost like, um, I mean, I think for a while, like our world that we know has been going on and on. This money that's been driving it, that the few own, has just been kind of, so the world has just been clinging on. We've been clinging on to these ideas. That in a way has stopped, it's been scuppered a little bit. They'll be back. So, but now it's time for us to refocus and find like our worlds where we can operate better. Someone said to me, is like the city center is going to be empty. I mean, offices, the landscape of offices is um, going to be gone. Anyone I know that works in an office are now working at home and may well be continuing so. But this is all we've done in London and England is build offices. So what's going to happen? But a, and a friend said to me, she said, basically it's going to be left to the lunatics and the artists. And as everyone knows, there's not much difference. So I thought, ooh, that could be really good. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's the case. I must say, I hope it's the case. Let's just move in. But they, I remember something in the end of the 80s, 90s, when I first came to London in the 90s, and there was that whole thing, I think, about Canary War. And um, it was a really hard time in England, actually. And um, there was no money around. And Canary Wharf was empty. And they thought for a while of leaving artists in. And I, I love a high rise. I live in a high rise any day. And I just thought, oh, God, I really fancy being right up there in the top, in the triangle at the top. And of course, it never happened. You know, they found, they just found more money to move in. But I mean, what was really good in the 90s was they had something called Artists Allowance Scheme. I mean, you're a young man, so you probably don't remember. <laughs> but it was just... It was amazing. I remember as a, as a young Irish woman, I was down there because I was coming from really kind of poverty in Ireland at that stage. They had set up, basically, you could go and say, um, I have a design business or decorating was the usual thing, wasn't it? But I remember hearing a story about some guy in Hackney saying he was, he was going to be a shepherd. But they support your scheme to be this shepherd, the best shepherd you could be. And of course, all you got to do is just write, I'm going to be a shepherd, kind of before computers. And then you get money and then you could just get on with your practice because that's all we want to do. We want to get into that valuable space of making and we do the jobs. <laughs> I mean, I'm lucky because I teach and I do love it. But um, 
we generally just balance so many other things that we do, especially when we're young. But uh, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so in the studio, it's, it's this idea of this landscape and the idea of, I mean, I'm thinking of this a lot, wasteland. I mean, I've laid everything out. I mean, I set up the show at Hastings, yeah. like this landscape or this garden. I'm really into that idea of this, these landscapes and pockets of action, nothing happening, moments of wisdom, moments of barbarity, moments of um, banality, magical. And that's kind of the picture of the studio at the moment. I mean, it's always about not making sense, isn't it? You know, you have to stop making any kind of sense to move the work anywhere. And I think I'm in the slap bang in the middle of not making sense. It's, like it's just, it's kind of, I mean, it does in some way too. You have some kind of weird narrative starting to shoot out or shout out at you. But, um, but yeah, yeah, at the moment, I mean, I go in, I can't even, I can't even walk in this space. <laughs> it's just that you have to clear little paths in along. And, um, and my everyday life has really started mixing up with um, my books are in there, my, you know, my music is in there, my plants, because um, I've only got a little balcony, so now it's extended into the studio, uh, which I keep killing them, actually. I'm really bad. Oh, but, um, me, me too <laughs> as well. Oh, my God, I'm terrible. <laughs> I've decided on my balcony now just to let it be, because the birds now, because I'm feeding my birds, they've been bringing seeds, so everything is growing out there. It's only tiny, but there's, I don't know what it is. So they're managing the garden now. But suddenly my plants, they're becoming part of these landscapes being pulled into these kind of wildernesses. And the landscapes then grow up onto the walls. So that's a, I'm kind of ch- challenging myself with painting again. I think for me, it's always about never be happy. Never be happy. <laughs> be miserable. <laughs> never be happy with what you have. It's always. The minute I feel I've got something kind of interesting going on, I just that's it. You <laughs> just push for the next thing. You think, well, what can I push? Where else can I, can I push this off the edge of that? What can I do with it? If I mean, when I was making, when I do make ceramics, I love making ceramics. I'm actually making, for me, painting is always about making. It's always tied up in physically making. And I used to make ceramics when I was in college. And um, it, it was so great because I'd have problems with painting and the painting so I'd go down I'd get a bag of clay or something and I'd remake the painting or the idea of the painting in ceramic so I had these kind of 3D rooms kind of almost the palace at 4am kind of not as not as nice as that not as demure and simple these were big ugly this is the 80s remember <laughs> big ugly things yeah? and, and then I, I tried to fire them and of course they blew up and I think <laughs> then there was a big sign in the ceramics room um, no artist no fine artist allowed in the ceramics room especially Anne Ryan <laughs> and I thought hmm <laughs> I'll be back <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, so I never, I never think about, you know, I never, and I think this is what I'm in the, the moment. I'm just, I don't care. I mean, every now and then you say like you don't care, but every now and then you get frightened because you've torn up all these paintings or you disassemble this or, but I, I, I don't care about beauty. I don't care about something working out. I, I don't think about these things. 
I just get in that zone. I'm just like, I have to push it further and further. And that's where I am in the studio at the moment, I think. I mean, I'm almost a bit schnabelish at the moment. I'm breaking. I don't like wasting. And especially this, I t- totally become like a thing in my head now as, uh, as we move into more lean times. Is I mean, I recycle everything in the studio. It's like, um, and, and now there's been loads of ceramics. Anyone anyway, that makes ceramics, there's loads of really ugly ceramics I hate. But I thought, oh, what can I do with these? And here comes Schnabel, okay? <laughs> so, yeah, I thought, I loved those paintings. You know, whatever we think about the character. Um, well, I admire him as well in many ways. Like that, that, that big, bold character. I think every woman should look and become those big, bold characters. You know, we should shout our presence from the rooftops, is what I think. And uh, yeah, so suddenly I'm like looking at all these ceramics and think, well, they're not going in the dumps. They're going to be surfaces. So I have all these broken plates and painting and oh my God, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I'm busy. But yeah, I I mean, I think if Dillston Grove or if Southern Galleries came to do a studio visit now, they might run away crying and worried. (laughs) There's quite an interesting relationship when you're talking about your garden, your balcony, and letting the um, sort of animals bring seeds and that, and and in relation to your studio practice in kind of the collation of lots of different elements and then seeing how they fit, how they grow together and reusing and repurposing. But I kind of wonder when you're in the studio, do you have any specific routines or working rituals? Mm. And mm. I guess you said at the moment the studio is overrun, so those routines and working methods have changed slightly. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love what you just drew. I love that picture you drew up, actually. So I've got an idea from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, the studio, it's one of those things. It's not like, you know, people say, because I work when I'm working, I really work. I mean, I can make a lot of work, you know. But and like people, I think I might frighten other artists because I think, Jesus, how does she do that? You know, this is, but I, it isn't like that because we know it's in pockets. You know, I'm a great believer in the 10 minute painting, I used to call it. I mean, and as and as I've heard a woman describe who's more like 80, someone said to you, oh, that's a really quick painting. How long did it take you? And she said, uh, 80 years. And I thought, yeah, that's a 10-minute painting. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think it was brilliant. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, well, I mean, you go into the studio. It is slow because you got to go. I mean, I, I, I'm walking across London first off, and now I've started using bus again, which feels safe at the moment because people are wearing masks and gloves and stuff. And um, so you come in, you've got loads in your head and you're entering this world. I generally, when I leave the studio at night, I won't clean. I'll, I, I, I go for the last half hour, half hour. I really kind of push things a little bit further. I will upset things. So if something had been going well during the day. I kind of just, you know, not reverse it, but slightly take it a little bit further or put it in a situation of a paintings that are on the ground, get put up on the wall or move to another space. Or I try to surprise myself because I have a, a, a mezzanine, which I'm really lucky to have. So, and I, I'll set up a kind of landscape of paintings upstairs and it's where I make my coffee. So it's kind of like walking into the studio going, doom, 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 doom. <laughs> <laughs> and I know as I'm coming down there, 
this is all I've been doing this for years. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that Peter Sellers movie where he's like coming in and your man's attacking, Kato's attacking him. So I'm like walk into the studio most mornings. It's like make my coffee. Oh, I didn't do much yesterday. And then I go upstairs. I go into another space and I ah! <laughs> there's all these paintings or objects all set up. And then I just let, so it's, I'm trying to find my uh, a new way into the landscape. I'm trying to get rid of me as the maker. I just want to go in like as fresh and raw, you know, um, as the wanderer. You're desperately trying to get to that point in the work, you know. So I have all these kind of ways of setting it up for myself that is, oh, surprise. <laughs> yeah. And then you just have your coffee and you just you start in your music. You start thinking about things. You start fiddling. Fiddling is a great one, isn't it? Uh, you know, you fiddle, fiddle while Rome burns. <laughs> it's like you just, you try this. You, you generally, for hours and hours, you don't make. Like you're making, you're doing little bits, but you don't seriously make, you know. I mean, you, we all know the Guston reference to, you know, you do, you do this in the studio, you do that in the studio. You're, you go into the studio with the history of art, the critics on your back, and they go, and then when you finally go, then you really start making. And it is that kind of process. I think that's what we're all looking for in the studio, is like having that time. I mean, I've got better over the years. I can get into that mood so much quicker. But it's not, it's not always clear, is it? And what, one of the things I love about the cutouts is there's very physical prep things to do. And even like canvases, I love stretching my own canvas. I mean, obviously, I'm going to, I don't can't afford it when so, you're making the stretch. I mean, I, I say I love it. I absolutely hate it. But I also know that time is very valuable because you're just so switched off, like either, you know, getting a stretcher ready or getting card ready, making ceramics, making molds, all very physical stuff where you're beginning to switch off and you're looking for those switch off points, aren't you? Yeah. And um, I know when I'm like, you know, during the day I have music on and I'm listening to stuff. And then you, I, I realized then after a, while, a good days when you just think, God, oh, the music stopped and you've just been working away and you've just been doing stuff. You know? But I mean, they're rare. They're, they're, they're such rare things. You know, you just, so many times, I, I would say this is for every single artist. You make stuff and you think, well, generally, you just go, go into the studio and you say, how the hell did I do that? Was that me? Am I mad? You know? <laughs> so, I mean, how can I get there again? You don't know how you get there. Yeah. There's this, you have all these little things that just trigger. And I'm a great one for, I know when I first started studios in London, you know what studios in London like. Every artist has about 10 jobs just to keep them. So, and, and to get, I, because I did my MA in Birmingham, yeah. I didn't have a community when I moved to London. I, I went to Birmingham as well because I had, I had an older sister um, <laughs> in London. And I thought, you know, college is about getting away. So I didn't go to London. I went to Birmingham. I actually thought, Manchester or Liverpool was the first, the second city, but it was Birmingham. So I thought I'd go there and I worked for a year in CNAs and then did the MA. But then what you find when you come back to London is a, you have no community. So for me, studios have always been community and your community is super important. And this, of course, is what we're learning through this time of change and virus is like community, you know, whether it's our community or your wider community, it is super important and I didn't mention that one of the things I loved love in my walk is I go through various different kinds of community you know what London's like it changes every five minutes 
And um, I'm slowly becoming because I think I'm fairly recognizable. And I'm one of those people that say hello to you in the street. <laughs> and so I like community. And I think this is what we've been learning. So for me, the studio is always a place of community. And um, when I first started working in London, I was I was in studios whereby I'd hear someone door bang and I'd rush out there because I wouldn't see anyone in there just to talk to people. And it is, it's not the idea that I'm really chatty or whatever, but actually, I, as I've said before, I like people, I'm interested, and it's just, and it is, again, it's that humane community sense. You want like-minded people around you and that idea of conversation. I was a great one at Cubist. I used to have uh, meetings in the corridor, you know, so if you wanted to know anyone, my, my studio door was um, right where everyone had to pass you going to the toilet. So back to the studio, you spend a lot of the, the morning, the hours in the morning, chatting to people or, oh, I'll have a coffee there or I'll talk here. But I think they're all really important. You kind of cleanse yourself. You're kind of getting ideas and you're cleansing yourself. I think it's a really kind of good. And there's a point then you think, I'm exhausted because generally you want to hibernate and hide <laughs> and then you're in the studio and then if someone's knocking at your door for your chat, I'll buzz off. <laughs> I'm done. I've done my corridor chat. Yeah. <laughs> so... Lots of chats, coffee, music, and generally um, <laughs> hiding the work and then letting it find me. That's <laughs> what I do. <laughs> so kind of following on from that, I, I wonder um, who is the person in your life that has had the most influence on you as an artist? Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's such a lovely question, actually. And I did think about that because I heard the lads answer that and I thought it was brilliant. And uh, I have to mention someone who's just, super important, was so important to me. And actually, his name is Father Ingus Buffing. And I know the priest and the, the, the you know, the Catholicism generally in Ireland gets bad uh, run for it, and deservedly so. But also there were some really good people, some of the best people in there as well, and we shouldn't forget that, I think. And he, for me, in a sense, he saved me. You know, I mean, in Ireland growing up in the end of the 60s and the 70s, um, it was a very poor time. And I grew up in one of the poorest, you know, inner city um, housing estates in Limerick City, which is um, a, quite a tough town on the west coast of Ireland, you know. It wasn't much, I mean, you know, I grew up in a time when there weren't even fathers present. Fathers worked in England as navvies, you know. There, there, were, there weren't men on the horizon. Maybe that's why I'm such, you know, I'm quite a strong vocal woman in a way because maybe, you know, I was surrounded by women as well. But um, Fathering is Buckley was one of those guys. He was an artist priest, as he'd like to say. And he just, he basically set up, was the first, I love an art club. <laughs> I grew up in art clubs. And um, I think they were always trying to set up, because in Ireland, of course, there was a lot of kids. And uh, they were always trying to set up clubs to keep them off the streets and things. And, uh, but he, set, he wasn't a club particularly, but he was our parish priest. He, he had a studio in the attic. Yeah, so he'd invite all the streets. Uh, all the kids off the street into the studio anyway he didn't make any bones about it not just because I like drawing we were all up there I mean some kids got tired of it but I just love going up there he played classical music I mean I have a love of opera because of him he let me he draw pictures he draw some of these paintings he did lots of frescoes and I learned about frescoes when I was about seven you know it helped him he'd mark it out and he'd show me how to mix colors now, it wasn't just me. There could be 10, you know, 20 kids there at any one time because it was just suddenly, he was just such a free and open man. He just let you look at his books and look at uh, books in Ireland as well as one of those very important things. 
And he also used to take it then as you got older. And I was really starting to get interested in art, looking at books. He'd give me books and stuff. I just loved painting. I couldn't believe it. And he'd take us to uh, openings in the gallery in Limerick. And at that time, the, the openings, everyone would be dressed up, long dresses, and there'd be cheese and wine parties and stuff. And he'd arrive in with like 10 hoodlums in like uh, <laughs> like a duffel coat, looking really snarly. Because, of course, you're, you're really insecure. <laughs> you're just like really <laughs> angry and snarly. And your hands in your pocket and you're standing in the middle of this room. And he just didn't care. And I remember thinking... I mean, we were really uncomfortable. That wasn't a nice situation to be in. But I think I look back and I think, how fabulous. Yeah. And I, I worked for a year. When I finished, did my A-levels, uh, Leave and Search at Golden Ireland, I did a very good one. But I just couldn't imagine. I thought I got to earn money. Our culture wasn't something that entered into my head at the time. And I worked for a year in a factory. And I remember going, he was dead at this stage, but I remember thinking back and my mother, who's another one, absolutely fabulous, a load of kids, but she was just inspirational insofar as she really thought we could do anything. And she'd push us, you know, it was never about money for her. She thought you must be happy, you must do what it is you're interested in. And she made me think back to what Father Angus Buckley said. And he taught in the art college. And I thought like, I'll go over, I'll find out. I did some night classes there and then I went and I applied for it. And I didn't even know what fine art was. It just sounds so ridiculous, doesn't it? You know, this is the kind of background I was coming from. <laughs> and I, I discovered paint. I couldn't believe it. I was just the most wonderful thing. Not the first year. The first year was very hard. I mean, I was coming from an area that Frank McCourt made famous, the lanes and stuff. I don't know if you've ever read those. Don't. They're not very good books, okay? <laughs> Obviously, as a Limerick woman, I had to read them, but it is the area in which I was born and grew up. But yeah, so suddenly, you know, and for painting, it's one of those, and I still have that to this day, how, I don't know, I think it's magical. I think it's just one of those things. It, it just gets into your inner being, doesn't it? And it just brings out so much that's embedded in you. And I, I try to get that across in my teaching as well. It's just like, it's, uh, to me, it's not about skills. You can pick up skills. And of course it is. I admire skills. I love skills. And you gain them as much as you can. And that's something you do. But there's something else. There's something that you have to dig deep down for. And I think he gave me that basis. And then I had a first-year tutor, two first-year tutors, uh, Simon Muller and Phil Nichols, an, an Englishman and a Welshman, and an Irish woman. Ah, and there's a joke. <laughs> and uh, and um, a painter and a sculptor. And I think that was my love of taking painting into making, physical 3D making. It stems right back there. That And they would just, and I, I think they gave me that idea of, of freedom to just just do it, break it. I never, I don't care, but painting is the stride. I think, kind of so what, whatever, move on. You're going to something better than this. If you've taken something too far, if something's destroyed, this is part of it. You've, this is going to push you to um, an important part in the work. So, yeah, I think for those three, you know, Mashi, me ma as well, I have to, must mention my ma, okay? <laughs> she, she was. I mean, she's dead now, bless her. But it's like, yeah, so so I wouldn't be there only for her, yeah? Following on from that, who is the person um, you most respect as an artist and why? Well, yeah, there's so many, isn't there? It's yeah. just like, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it's one of those, I mean, this is stupid, I'm going way back in history, but one of the things that made, was so important to me, because um, I hadn't really seen much painting when I left 
Ireland. Um, and obviously in Dublin, the National Gallery, some beautiful ones. And I remember going to the Prado, and I know this is not necessarily what you want to hear, but and I and I walked in, I saw the El Grecos, and I actually started crying. I actually was so physically moved. I just couldn't. And you know, when you're looking at the El Grecos, your head is upwards. He's like, I just couldn't believe it. You know, I mean, also, actually, I tell a lie because we're very lucky in Ireland. We had a show in Ireland. It used to be called, it used to be every two years, I think. It was called Ross. And I saw it in 86. And there was people like George Baslitz and um, I think the Three Seas, like Chia, I mean, Sandra Chia. And that was really amazing. You know, such a great painting, such great paintings. I mean, perfect for me at the time and um, actually probably recently I saw a show I think maybe two years ago and it was Gillian Lowndes and I probably loads Lowndes I never know how to pronounce this it's L-O-W-N-D-E-S and she was one of those women I mean she was quite famous in her time but she has been slightly forgotten and of course now all of us are using ceramics again, or a lot of us are looking into ceramics as artists. And I was the Sunday painter, a gallery showed her. And I hadn't, I'd seen one or two pieces at Morley College in like the glass kind of gallery they have, just a little um, yeah. bit thing. And I, she blew me away because it was almost like taking the craft and then dismantling the craft, you know, and just sticking things with it. So it was very undesigny, very uncrafty. Uh, then they had a show of her work and it just was amazing. And it's one of those things where it's like you see a show and it's, it just makes you go so quiet. You can't, you know what I mean now, because I don't know, it's like, it's like someone playing, you know, your chord, your spinal chord or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's rare. It's rare, isn't it? It's just like, it just, it's, it's like the El Greco. It's, it's touching yeah. something you, you, you've been trying to tap into and, these raw things, something other than yourself, if you know what I mean, or, or other than the self that people think you are, it touches. And I think with her, she did that, you know. I think it was just, and actually in, in the same vein, it was something like Sheila Cluett, um showed at, at Greengrassy, I think it was last year, and that was, it was just beautifully hung, actually. And again, that in the same vein. But Sheila was interesting. She taught at Chelsea for years and years. So a lot of, um, when, when Chelsea was really good sculpture uh, college, she was there. And I think she was only known really as a teacher and a very good teacher. And, and I think that's what a lot of artists fear. If you teach a lot, you're proud of your teaching. It's like uh, you don't want to be just known as that. And I think that also the materials she was using was very unsculpture sculpture twisting wires, odd little pieces, stick it very contemporary. And I think at the time, people would have maybe, including myself, I wouldn't have known it that early, but later on even, it would have been, I think it was dismissed. It, you know, it was just like woman's work or something, you know. It hadn't the big, ballsy, kind of loud feel that a lot of other things had. It had, had a very quiet, and, and it plays very quietly with your mind as well. And of course, now it's coming to its own. And they were two shows that actually floored me, I must say. Probably now's the perfect time to talk about your upcoming show at South Park Galleries. And I wonder, could you describe your vision for the exhibition and what kind of experience we could look forward to? I'm thinking, it's, it's so weird, I can never really... I, I start because I talk a good talk, you know, but it's like I, I start telling people what the show is going to be like or something, and then it's just totally something different and as I said I don't work towards shows as in I don't have this clear passage to, towards the show 
what I do is I look backwards and find find where I came in, look for different different openings, if that makes sense. And I kind of, I think this is why I explain the process in the studio at the moment. And this is what I'm thinking about. And also what I'm thinking about, obviously my walking, and I'm thinking about a landscape, I'm thinking about wasteland. I mean, funny enough, I just got that book. I mean, oh, George Bazlitt has said some naughty things about women. And it's a show he did in, um, well, it, was, it was basically the hero paintings at Saddle Museum. I just got the um, book through the door. And I'm thinking of heroes. And it's something I'm kind of interested in. And I'm, I'm thinking also about my main ex, which goes back to the UIUI show at Rebot, which the UIUI is the scream. UI, UI, UI! The scream they do as they dance in a frenzy, a drunken frenzy, letting themselves go, <laughs> partying and being themselves, you know, not being told, oh, calm down, calm down. I'm in, I'm up for my women just jumping around the place. So I think at the moment, it's a cross between my main ads, heroes, I'm thinking heroes, I'm thinking wandering, I'm thinking wasteland, I'm thinking, uh, you know, uh, how, what we carry with us, you know, the heroes, the paintings, they have um, like elements like the wheelbarrows or burning houses or these are all things that's playing out in my head at the moment, you know. Also, some like uh, uh, music is still in my head. Um, I was just listening to, um, what was this? It's the OCs, you know the OCs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you like the OCs? Yeah, absolutely love them. Love the OCs. And damaged bug, okay. And the images damaged bug throws up, which is John Dwyer's new kind of um, like a cracked pop alchemy crazy stuff. So it's that noise. Often when I think about shows as well, I think about the noise they might make, and I don't mean in a physical way. Um, so it, it, it will it'll take from the Hastings contemporary. I mean, I'm always for getting people to look. To experience and really even though sometimes the work will look frantic and there's loads to look at for me it's about slowing down so i want to i'm kind of trying to, in my head i'm thinking how we come in of course now we're all walking left and coming out right and, and i'm actually thinking how can you without tying someone to walking a certain way around the gallery but how can you make that space even bigger insofar as how you move and experience it you know so these are the kind of things that's kind of occupying my head, yeah. And I do think about the noise of things. I want it to be, you know, I want it to be like my frantic main ads, dragging, stomping groups of people, cheering people, and objects. I, yeah, I don't know. Does that give a little picture? <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I, but I, the noise at the moment is a really great, I don't know, like the best gig you've been at where you've come out, you're so sweaty. I'm <laughs> such a mosh pit hag as well, okay? It's like, I mean, I would love to go into it, but I have a really bad, uh, rare arthritis, rheumatoid arthritis. <laughs> so I'd probably snap in half. 
But my dream is just to be thrown, you know, when they jump in yeah. and the legs go up in the air and the shoes go flying. Um, that's me. Okay. In my head, I'm in there being dragged away by my very <laughs> quiet husband. <laughs> yeah, being passed up to the stage. And John Dwyer is great because he just like carry you off or something. And there's my dream. So in a sense, it's going to be the greatest art mosh pit <laughs> that we can all take part. Martin, even if you're just on the edges of it, <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah, it's going to take you in this market. Because of uh, your love of music and gigs, I was wondering before we go, have you got a lockdown playlist for us? Yeah, you know, I thought about it because I don't really, because everyone was talking about podcasts, but I, I don't really listen to podcasts. And, um, but my. I would, but I mean, actually, there is one. You know, <laughs> there is one really good one, but it's that I loved actually, and it's um, the Stage Left podcast. Have you heard it? It's a famous one, I think. Um, no, I don't think I have. Well, if you like music, you love it because yeah. it's mainly um, directed at musicians, especially young musicians. Okay, and one of the things I think artists and musicians are very alike, and we're both jealous of each other. Like uh, generally musicians, a lot of musicians have left our school and are just jealous of the making and having shows. But we're jealous of musicians because they can just pull out a guitar or tune something and, or join a gig or do something. You know, so there's this love jealousy thing going on in my head. But actually, this um, podcast is really good. And there's a really good one from uh, Stuart Lee, the stand-up comedian. Yeah. I think it's number 38, but it's all different musicians talking about, Ross Egan talking about, he making no money and the, the big apples and all the rest, you know, robbing them of money and they're the creators and they're getting on. But there's loads of really good stuff on that. And a lot of young artists talking about their times on the road and stuff. So again, we're back to the road and traveling. So I, I, that's a very, very good podcast. And the Stuart Lee, which is number 38, is brilliant. It's brilliant. He's so good. He talks such a simple game and it's just so... Uh, deep it's just wonderful I think um, so then I mean the other thing I loved oh absolutely come four o'clock I'm like on the radio Radio 6 it was Charles Craig the trunk of punk so good so good he usually does the trunk of funk but now it's the, the and, but it's, it, he's finished now unfortunately but it's all on iPlayer yeah. and that is very good so that's the trunk of punk so then something like flatworms lovely eggs meat raffle <laughs> Um, DOCs, obviously. Um, who else have I got? Um, oh, the Nightingales. I went to see the Nightingales before lockdown, actually, in Margate. And it was the Tom Tom Theatre, which is very hard for an Irish woman to say. Tom Tom Theatre. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the top one. And uh, it was brilliant because it's a tiny space and he's got quite a big, he's quite a substantial man. So good. Uh, the drummer, woman, brilliant. And it was mainly the two of them. There was a really good guitar player, actually. I shouldn't forget him, a bass player. And um, he, he stood, because the place is so, we were, I was right in under his beer belly. It's so weird. <laughs> it's like, this like pounding, gruff, kind of post punk voice and lyrics coming out at you. Oh, excellent. Such good stuff, you yeah? know? Thank you so much for taking your time to do this and all of us at the gallery are really looking forward to seeing you as yeah. soon as we can. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. I'm a big fan. So, yeah. yeah That's really brilliant. Yeah. Just can't wait. Yeah, good. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Lockdown 11's 
You can find us on our website, SuffolkParkGalleries.org, Instagram and Facebook at Suffolk Park Galleries, and on Twitter at SPark underscore Galleries. As you might be aware at present, our programme is on hold, but we're still working hard preparing for when we can reopen and share with you our full programme. Once we see you back in the park, we want to keep our activities free to everyone. But to do this, we still need your support to present our programme of exhibitions, events, learning activities and future podcasts. To find out ways you can help, including one-off donations, please go to suffolkparkgalleries.org forward slash support. Thank you for listening. Take care and we'll be back very soon.